being a nurse does not automatically qualify you to be a family caregiver. Yes, I had a medical background, but nothing really prepared me for that. When I went to the hospital, when my shift was over, I went home got my rest and came on back. But a family caregiver really does not have that luxury. Welcome to another episode of Advocates in Action, a podcast created by the National Patient Advocate Foundation, a nonprofit that develops initiatives promoting equitable access to affordable quality healthcare through policy action and partnerships. I'm your host, Ashley Freeman. Today, I'm honored to speak with Janice Williams, who has been a community nurse for 25 years and is the founder of Caregivers Respite. She enjoys interior decorating and is currently working on a book, which is exciting. Thank you for joining us, Janice. You're one of our advocates, and I remember meeting you at our patient congress back in 2019. So it's a pleasure to have you join us today. I know you have a background in nursing, so tell me a little bit about why did you decide to become a nurse? Oh, wow. I haven't been asked that in such a long time. To be honest, my mother had gotten ill and I really did not know how to help her at all. It was just a push to try to get a little knowledge. I was very uncomfortable and, you know, tried it. It really opened up a whole world for me. That's beautiful. I know it's such a huge field and people can work in so many different places. So what has your career been like? Well, I've been a nurse now for 25 years. It may be more than that. And I'm going to stop counting at that point because (laughs) um, it really doesn't seem like that long. But I started my career in a hospital. After then, I did transition to a nurse that does insurance. I did some rehab, some community nursing, and also research. All of that has helped me to kind of do what I do now as far as serving family caregivers. And I would tell any nurse, please try to diversify and learn so many different areas of nursing because everything is really needed now. Part of your diversifying has been diving into the field of supporting family caregivers. What inspired your work with family caregivers? My father got ill and I had been a nurse for so many years. And so you have to know my father. He was very self-sufficient. He didn't need anything. (laughs) I would call him. I would ask him certain things and he was taking care of himself. I had called him one day and he was fixing his breakfast and his breakfast to him was a very high point of the day. And so he told me all these things that he was going to do and fix. And something really told me as I was speaking to him to go check on him. So that's what I did. After I hung up, I just got in the car and I went to go see him. And then he was sitting on the bed, eating out of a pot. And like, he didn't really have the strength enough to finish fixing his breakfast. He had changed and I didn't know it, but I thank God for listening to that voice, for going to see him. He was sick and needed so many levels of care within a year. And that's what prompted me to start Caregiver's Respite. Even though I was a nurse in the nursing field, and I thought I was a good nurse, and I was, but being a nurse does not automatically qualify you to be a family caregiver. They go through a whole different set of things. And and at that time, I and my family felt all of the things that family caregivers go through. 
Yes, I had a medical background, but nothing really prepared me for that because actually when I went to the hospital, when my shift was over, I went home, got my rest and came on back. But a family caregiver really does not have that luxury of rest sometimes or to do other things, to go to the mall, to uh, get their hair done. And those things can be such a wake up call when you're caring for someone. So that is really what led me to really start Caregiver's Respite because I and my family went through so many things caring for our father. I really didn't want other people to go through that. And to be honest with you, I started Caregiver's Respite because God told me and really I consider it a ministry. Thank you for highlighting that difference between being a caregiver and being a nurse, you know, because a lot of people in the medical field, like you said, you have all this knowledge, you have all this understanding, but it's different because of that boundary that you can set. Like you said, with nursing, after your shift is over, you can go home and clock out and leave your your work at the building. Whereas caregivers, they don't have that moment to rest and to breathe. What type of support and resources have you been able to provide through your organization to help caregivers during that time? When I made the move to do caregivers respite, it really opened up my eyes because if you go down the street, if you live in a neighborhood, if you have coworkers, if you go to church, if you have family, your eyes begin to get to open to family caregiving situations. I didn't realize that I had several neighbors that were family caregivers. I didn't realize that, um, I had coworkers who weren't coming to work anymore, church members who weren't going to church anymore because they were caring for their loved one. We started Caregiver's Respite really with a word of mouth. We started with a conference. It was called the Caregiver's Rest Conference. We wanted caregivers to get a break. I didn't even know what respite means. And a lot of times I kind of question people, do you know what respite means? But it's a break. It's a reprieve. It's a time of rest. Since then, we've started a support group. So we've done over 15 conferences. In fact, we celebrated 10 years. A part of our programming is dealing with health literacy and also financial concerns. You get rest and you get strategy. You get rest and you get knowledge. So you come to the support group, yeah, to get a break, but you're going to also get knowledge because as soon as you, we hang up the phone, as soon as the support group is ending, you're going back into that caregiving situation. So it's a place to get, to really activate and strengthen your journey, which it is a journey. Congratulations on the 10 year anniversary. That is huge. That is awesome. All the lives and families that you have been able to support over these past 10 years. That is such a huge badge of honor for you to definitely carry. The piece that you mentioned in the beginning about walking around and realizing that there were so many people around you that were caregivers. I was a caregiver for my Nana a couple of years ago towards the end of her life, but I didn't know I was a caregiver. I thought 
I was a granddaughter taking care of her Nana because that's what you do. You know, when your family members need you, you rise to the occasion. So never during that process did I look into resources. Did I look into a conference? I never looked for any of those things because I did not identify as a caregiver. I identified as a loved one caring for another loved one. So I love the fact that you were able to realize that distinction and help other people realize that as well so they can start tapping into the resources that you have available. That's the thing. You won't know until we educate you on it. I spoke to a young lady and she let me know, no, I'm not a family caregiver. Uh, My husband is. He's the one that does this and that. And she said, all I do is make sure she doesn't fall and bring her her plate sometimes and uh, help her with the assistance of dot, dot, dot. I let her know that, well, those are some of the things that family caregivers do. So you're right, Ashley. There's generations of people who actually don't know what is meant by family caregivers. It's always an opportunity to educate because if you don't, what's going to happen is what you said. You won't tap into resources. You won't know how caregiving affects your mental health, your physical health, your, your pocketbook, if I could say it like that. What we're really trying to focus on is being proactive instead of reactive. We can just pick one disease, Alzheimer's disease. What we want to do now is strategize. And we're glad that this is not in your family. But guess what? If something goes on, this is what you need to do now to prepare for later. Oh, no, I'm not speaking disease on you or I'm not saying this is going to go into your family. I'm not saying that anybody's going to get sick. But if we change the way we think now, we can be more prepared to care in the future. Many people who come to our support group, they continue to come even after they lose their loved one, even after they completed their assignment, because you just don't automatically stop caring. And I'm glad people choose to continue to come because nine times out of 10, you're going to care for somebody else. I agree with you on so many levels. Like I mentioned, I was a caregiver for my Nana. And recently, in 2020, I became a caregiver for my dad. But now I was able to identify, Ashley, you are a caregiver. This means you need to lean into resources. I called the Patient Advocate Foundation, got a case manager to help me. Like you said, that strategy is so important. So when you're able to identify the role that you're in, you can lean into those resources. And I know for you, you also mentioned the importance of preparing financially. So can you speak a little bit about preparing for the financial costs that it takes to become a caregiver? A couple years ago, we started the Caregiver Financial Summit. It was a time for us to spend a little bit more time talking about programs, payer sources, insurance, how much money out of pocket you actually spend, how much it costs to hire someone. People came thinking, oh, I'm finding a resource for my loved one. But what we're saying now, no, you start preparing for your own care, caregiver. And and this is a part of self-care, getting your business in order, Miss Ashley. Now, this is a sensitive subject. We have people all the time talking about, don't put me in a nursing home. You know, and they say it jokingly. 
it when I get old, but and then the person says or your daughter says, oh, OK, no, mom, I won't do that. But at that moment, what is she doing to prepare for keeping you at home? It will be great to get more millennials on board preparing for this. We want to really reach people before they even need it for the opportunity to get more understanding. Even on people who don't think they need this, we need to start the conversation. I love what you mentioned about being proactive. I attended the State of Black Health Conference, and one of their sessions was about advanced care planning and how specifically in communities of color, there's a lot of fear around having these conversations. But putting that plan in place and having those conversations when you are fully healthy, you know, when you're you're in your your full capacity of your mind and can speak what your preferences are, how much that helps in the long run for the family. You know, like you were mentioning the example of of someone explaining that they didn't want to go into a nursing home. Okay, well, let's figure out and calculate how much it is to have someone a home health aide. Because like you mentioned, there's a financial cost with that. You know, will we have to have a special bed? Will we need a ramp? Will you need to be on the main floor instead of upstairs? You know, when you have those proactive conversations, you can properly prepare. So I'm 100% on the same page with you about that. And I love the fact that you focus on caring for the caregiver as well, and how can they prepare to have their health in in the best shape possible for the long term. And I think with caregivers, they're always so focused on the person they're caring for that they become you know, in the shadows of their minds. So the fact that your organization really provides a place to uplift and empower them, I think that's that's something that's really special. Because that's actually respite. Respite is the act of getting rest to make sure that you get strategy, but also not losing yourself. Let me just tell you, Taking care of my father was not easy, but there were so many blessings in it. And my testimony, not anybody else's, but God helped me through that because he directed me so many times to stay focused and to stay grounded. And not that I didn't make mistakes. Yes, anybody does when they're tired. It has afforded me blessings with my father, but also I have met so many great people. It's just a joy to know that as God redirected me in those really tough times, I can redirect somebody else so they won't miss it. And the heartfelt duty and concern that really comes out of this. Yes, a lot of hard work, a lot of sleepless night, but there is a blessing in caring for someone else. We hear this term of the burden of caregiving, you know, and that term just bothers me because it makes it seem like it's so one way. But you highlighting the blessing and the joy. I love that. Guess what? A burden is a heavy load to bear. If you look it up in a dictionary, that's all it means. And caregiving is that. Not that that person is bad. Not that the situation is so awful. But it is a heavy load when you are actually being the communicator, the historian, the financial planner, physical therapist, nurse assistant, all those duties. It is a heavy load to bear. But if you get a break, you can make it. 
Ms. Janice, thank you for the clarification on the definition. That allows me to remove my negative connotations of it because like you said, it's simply a weight. What's the most important thing you've learned from your personal caregiving experiences and then your work with helping others? Wow. The most important thing is that for me, if you follow God, that's all you need. That was one of the most pivotal things. I'm glad you're making me remember this. Even when we were caring for our father, I did not have the answer for everything, but God did. When you look up caregiving as a definition, you'll see a caregiver is a person who supports a person physical, mental, emotional well-being. But I add spiritual because there were days that I had no answer, but God did. And so if I left that little part out, you wouldn't be talking to me today. I love your faith and and everything that you're doing and all the lives that you're touching. Thank you so much, Janice. This has been lovely. I just so appreciate the opportunity and even you jarring me to remember some of these things, you know? I don't ever want to lose the understanding of this, that it's a journey, because I got to get ready to help more people. So thank you. I'm Ashley Freeman, and thanks for listening to this episode of Advocates in Action. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. We enjoy connecting with our listeners, so please visit our website at npaf.org slash podcast for show notes, resources, and ways to engage with us on social media. Thanks for listening.